Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. So we're going to continue our study through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, last week, if you remember, we were talking about Jesus and the Pharisees came up to him. And they asked him a question. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded and he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, just, and likewise, you're supposed to love people because when you love God, you're naturally going to love people. And if you love God, you're going to follow his commandments because he laid them out before you. So this week, we're going to be talking uh, in chapter 14, verse 3. So I'm going to go through and read the passage, and then we're going to pray and get into our study. So starting in verse 3. When he, being Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them in any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will always be told in memory of her. Let's pray and get into our study. Father God, it's so cool now that that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about what this woman did, Lord. 2,000 years later, we are remembering this and uh, talking through this story right now. And we pray that we would learn from it, God. We pray that we will read this story and grasp you a little better, get, un- to, get to understand you a little bit better in the, in the way that you would have us live, the way in which we can glorify your name by how we act and how we live and how we move and breathe, Lord. Thank you so much for the scripture and for this passage, and, and we love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Gentlemen, have you ever been in a situation where you walk in on, like, a big group of girls having, like, girl time? Like, have you ever been, like, just, you know, maybe you're at your house and you walk into your sister's room, and in, in the room is, like, a bunch of, like, girls, and they're, like, painting their nails and having talk, and you walk in and they go, ah, this is girl time, okay? We don't want any boys here. It's kind of what Kara told me when I asked if I could come to the ladies' night and I was rejected, or, ladies, have you ever been, like, maybe you walk into the family room and your dad has a bunch of friends over and all these guys are watching football, and you walk in and they're like, I smell female. I smell perfume. Who is this woman? Like, it's like this awkward moment because you walk in and it's like, hey, this is bro time, okay? And you were interrupting bro time by a woman walking in the room. Well, in this passage, this woman walks in and she interrupts Jesus having bro time with his disciples. The passage starts off and it says Jesus was reclined at the table enjoying the meal with just his disciples, just his close guy friends. And it's cool that they said reclined at the table because back then in the Middle East what they would do is rather than, you know, sit in a chair and sit at a table and eat, they actually had their table on the ground. And they had these big cushions and pillows around the table and they'd lay down on it and kind of like sit there with the like, you know, hand resting on a pillow or elbow resting on a pillow and they'd eat their food like that. It's kind of cool, like get a big bean bag, set it down and lay on the floor and eat your food. It was kind of nice. It was this really intimate time where they could talk and just hang out and be together. So 
the guys are having this time where they're just together. Jesus is talking to them, fellowshipping with them. And in walks this woman. And it had to be one of those scenes where she walks in and it's like, uh, this is kind of guy time. What are you doing here? And when she walked in unannounced, she didn't ask permission. She didn't see if it was okay. She just boldly walked in the room. And it says she acted and she, she did all this very courageously. And you're going to see why soon. She walks in the room and it says that she was carrying an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. And the perfume was actually called nard, which doesn't sound that beautiful or anything. Like if you're watching a commercial, nard perfume. Ah, it's more like beautiful or Taylor Swift, wonderstruck. It's like this, you know, nice name, not nard. This is like a really beautiful perfume. But anyway, she walks in, she has this beautiful alabaster jar. And guys, I don't know if you've ever walked through the perfume aisle at a, at a store, but they usually have these like little intricate little bottles that they hold all the perfume in. Well, the one that she's holding this in was an alabaster jar. And it was this beautiful, ornate pottery that was made. It was very thin and very fragile, but it was also very expensive. And it had this beautiful design on it. And it was, it was a very expensive jar just itself. But the reason it was so expensive and it was so well made, because it was made for a very specific reason, to, to hold this beautiful perfume that they had. And you guys need to understand, perfume back then was a huge deal. Because they didn't get the luxury of showering every day or every week. It was kind of more like a monthly thing back then to shower, take a bath. So what they had to do was they had to cover up the smell sometimes with perfume. And it was customary back then for, for a lady or even sometimes the guys to have just a perfume bottle that they would use to wash themselves. But you need to understand this was very expensive. See, now you can go to Walmart and the guys can cruise down the aisle. Oh, cool, Axe, like $3, awesome. And then in three seconds, psh, psh, I smell good. Like, it's that easy. Who needs showers, right? No, wrong, gentlemen, shower, okay? I smelled the Axe this morning. Some of you, I felt like, hadn't showered in a couple weeks since last time. So, Axe is not count as a shower just throwing that out there but back then they they would actually have to cover it rather than just clean so they had these very expensive perfumes and this particular one nard we actually know was brought all the way from india so they had to cross over the mountains from india all the way over into israel and they brought this perfume and it was so expensive we actually find out later in the passage that it was worth an entire year's wage so if your parents worked for an entire year they'd have to take all that money and they could buy this one little alabaster jar full of this perfume. That's how expensive it was. But that's how important it was back then and how rare it was. And customarily back then, what they would do is, is a woman would pass it down through the generations to her daughters. Like a, a lady would, would use a little bit each day and just pour out just very carefully a little bit of that perfume and they'd put it on and they'd use that for a few years and then eventually they'd actually give it to their daughter. And they could use it for a few years. And it could go a few times down the line because they would use it so sparingly and so rarely just to make sure that they could savor it and save every bit of it. It's kind of like when you're drinking like a, a Chick-fil-A milkshake. You just want to enjoy every last drop. And you don't just guzzle it down. You very slowly just, oh, that's good. And you just savor every little ounce of that milkshake. Take a bit. Well, the, with that perfume, they would just pour out a little bit each day and use just a little bit because they wanted to save it because it was so expensive. It was so valuable to them. They didn't just want to use it up. They wanted to very tactfully and very carefully use that perfume. So I'm trying to get you guys to understand this was a very valuable thing to her, especially since she was single. 
You see, she didn't have a guy to take care of her. She didn't have a husband. We actually know that this woman was Mary Magdalene, the brother of Lazarus. And, and while her brother could take care of her, she did not have a husband to take care of her. So you see, this, this alabaster jar, this perfume, was in a way her life savings. If she ever got into financial trouble, she could give a little bit of that perfume and she could get money from that. If she ever really had a, a position where she really needed money real fast and she, and she had no other way of getting it, she could sell this perfume and she could use it for her life savings to take care of herself. So in all likelihood, this was the most valuable thing she owned, was this jar of perfume. So she walks in with this jar of perfume, unannounced, into the room with Jesus and his disciples. She boldly walks in, and, and no one asked her to do this. No one told her this might be a good idea. She took the initiative to do this. And she walks right up to Jesus. And she takes that beautiful alabaster jar, that fragile thing that's so valuable, and she breaks it. Now, first time I read it, I thought it said, like, broke it on his head, like, bam, like, smashed it on Jesus' head, and just like, oh, what in the world? It's a blood or perfume. Like, I don't know. That's the first time I read it. I, I thought that's what it was. But it, it's more like it was so fragile and so timid, she was able to actually break it with her hands, and it just poured over Jesus. And the moment she broke that jar, it lost its value. The moment you have an iPad or an iPod or something and you, and you break it, it gets this huge crack in the screen or maybe you leave it in the rain and it gets soaked. The moment it's broken, its value is gone. If you were to go sell it on eBay, clean and all together and new, then you'd get a good price for it. But if it was broken, you put broken iPod, who wants to buy it? It's like these little pieces and shards of glass. No one's going to buy it, generally speaking. It's worthless. But when she broke this jar, it was worthless. She couldn't have gone to the market and sold the pieces of alabaster to someone because it was broken. So she breaks this, this jar and, and the perfume pours out. She did not go to Jesus and tenderly go, all right, just a little bit. Yeah, that's enough. That should be enough to kind of make him smell good, make the room nice. And, and it was a good gesture. But no, she took every bit of it. She broke the jar and every last drop that was in that jar, everything that there was was poured onto Jesus till there was nothing left. And the value of that perfume was now gone because it had been poured out. It would be, again, like you go to Chick-fil-A, you drive up, hi, yes, I'd like a chocolate milkshake, and they hand you your milkshake, and before they give it to you, they go, okay, here you go. <laughs> my pleasure, have a great day. It's like, no, he's poured it out. And they're like, uh, you'd be like, I want my money back. And they go, well, the milkshake's right there. Yeah, on the ground. It's not useful. You poured it all out. Well, she could not have gone to the market and say, hi, I have this perfume to sell. Okay, great, where is it? Well, I, I poured it on this guy named Jesus. Well, that means nothing to me, it's useless. So the moment she poured every ounce, every drop of that perfume out, that life savings that she had, that lifeline that she had, that gift which she would have passed down to her daughters and to her daughters from there, that was now gone. And there was no way it could be got back. She had now given this huge gift to Jesus. And why, you might ask? Did anyone ask her, hey, you should take this alabaster jar, which means so much to you, and give it to Jesus? Well, no. Did Jesus suggest, hey, it'd be really great if you, you know, would, I, I kind of smell like a little bit bad. Could you bring us some perfume and like pour it out on me? No, he didn't ask that. It was because she loved Jesus because she cared and respected him 
because she viewed him as a, as a king coming into Israel, because she realized how important he was, she said, look, I, I have this amazing gift. It's the best thing I have, the best possession that I have, and I want to give it to Jesus because he's worthy of it. He deserves it. No one else deserves it, but, but he does. And I would be willing to give something that means so much to me, to Jesus, because I love him. Not because I was told to, not because someone else suggested it, but just simply because I love him. That's it. So she was willing to go into that room to, to break that alabaster jar and to pour out every ounce of that perfume. So at that moment, like, the, the jar breaks, and, and I can just see that, like, that scent kind of, like, waving out of the room, and it probably smelled really good. It, don't be thinking of, like, an axe bomb, like, blowing up in a room or something like that. Just think of this beautiful aroma that now fills this entire room because the entire jar was pulled out. And it was a very rare smell to them, so they can just see every, every person in that room just, wow, that's, that's great. But you see, rather than relishing in that and rather than seeing how beautiful it was, that's not the reaction the disciples had. Let's read what they, how they reacted in verse 4. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Rather than saying, wow, thank you, the room smells great, or wow, Jesus, he is worthy of that gift. That's great that she did this. They rebuke her. They go, woman, what are you doing? First of all, this is guy time and you interrupted it. First strike. Second strike, you poured out this really valuable perfume. And you poured it all over Jesus. You could have used that to buy food for the homeless. You could have used that to do so many other things. Why would you waste this gift? They looked at her and said, why would you be so reckless? Why would you be so irresponsible? Why would you do something so silly and immature as to to waste this beautiful gift for a moment to just pour it out on Jesus? Why couldn't you have just given him a little bit? Why did you have to give him so much? And you know the, the reason that they said this? They were jealous. Let me explain. Have you ever been going to a birthday party and you're in the car and you're driving and you're like, all right, Johnny, did you uh, get your gift? And you're like, no, mom, I forgot. She's like, Johnny! So she pulls over the car and she goes to five below and you run in there and you find like the first thing you can find. All right, this is $3, cool. And you look shiny and cool and you wrap it up real quick and you get to the birthday party. Hey, man, I picked out a gift just for you. It's special. And he opens it up and it's still got like the price tag on it, $3, five below. And it's like a nice gift. And he's like, all right, cool, thanks. And then someone else is at the party. And then they give their gift. And your friend's like unwrapping it. All right, this is kind of cool. Oh, my goodness. You gave me a pony. I've always wanted a pony. Thank you so much. And he's like really excited. He jumps on the pony. He's riding it around. And, and you're sitting there holding the water pistol that you just bought from five below. Like, sure you don't want the water pistol? Water pony water pistol okay fine cool ride your stallion around whatever and you'd be embarrassed because here you gave this little gift and here this other friend gives this incredible gift they give something which probably cost them a lot of money probably cost them a lot of time and resources and you'd feel pretty embarrassed wouldn't you you'd feel pretty jealous like man i wish i could have given that or i wish i cared enough to do that you'd also be jealous of the dude riding the pony because i mean who doesn't want to ride a pony But you'd be like, oh man, I'm so jealous that they gave that gift. And here the disciples look at this woman who gave this incredible gift to Jesus. 
They were the disciples. They were Jesus' best friends. They were his bros. They were the guys learning under him, his students. And, and here this, this woman walks in. And she gives a gift greater than any of them had given Jesus in a long time. So expensive, so valuable, so meaningful to her. And she, she pours it out on Jesus. And they see that. And they get angry. You see, we don't like to see other people succeed, do we? I've noticed something in, in schools, um, just social networking, if you will. Uh, I've noticed that the people who are really good at sports enjoy making fun of people who are good at other things. Or the people who are good at music enjoy making fun or demeaning people who are good at other things. Let me, let me give you an example. Someone who's really good at sports will look at someone who's incredible at maybe playing the saxophone. And they go, who wants to be good at that? Like, that's not important. That's not valuable. Who cares if you're good at that? And they demean it and they try and bring it down. Someone maybe who's in drama will look at a football player and be like, so you throw a dead pig around a chalked outline of grass. Woo, you're a big deal. I can actually act and perform. Like, that's nothing. And maybe the one dude who's really good at math goes, yeah, you guys are all not really doing anything important. I'm the one who's going to build a rocket and go to Mars one day. You guys are all out of it. And they, they kind of bring each other down. And, and I've noticed the reason they do that, and the reason we do it and, and I do it, is because we would rather pull someone down so that we can look better. Don't we? See, if, if I'm that... If I'm that person who's good at drama, if I can make the sport thing look not as important or that sport look silly, then I look better because I'm good at drama. Or if I'm that sports guy and I can make the guy who's good at math feel bad about himself or make that look not important, then, then I look cooler, don't I? Have you guys ever heard of what you do when you catch crabs? When you catch crabs, you can put them in a bucket and they won't escape. Even though they could climb the outside of the bucket, they don't escape because they keep grabbing the ones that are above them and pulling them down, and then they climb themselves. And no crab can actually get out of the bucket because they're so busy grabbing the other one and yanking them down and pulling them down that, that one person can't get ahead. And none of the crabs actually get out of the bucket. It's kind of funny to watch, actually, as they're clawing and grabbing each other down. But, but I feel like we do the same thing. We say, hey, I, I want to be more important. I want to be more valuable. I want more praise. I want to be the focal point. I think we do that. And it's not right. So rather than say to this woman, wow, this is a great thing you've done for Jesus, they try and bring her down and say, wow, that's so reckless what you did. You could have done something better than that. And they try and bring her down. And rather than defend herself, something much better happens. You see, Jesus defends her. Listen to what Jesus says. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? Why are you bothering her? Jesus says, look, why, why are you messing with her? What has she done to you? Actually, the only thing she's done is, is show love towards me. Jesus continues. He says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Have you ever thought that, that Jesus is the creator of beauty? Jesus is God. And it actually says that Jesus was the one who created the world. So whenever you see a beautiful sunset, whenever you see a beautiful scene or a gorgeous mountain, just think Jesus is the one who created that. And Jesus, the creator of beauty itself, looks at this woman and says, woman, what, what you have done is beautiful. 
it's so much more poignant when he says it because he understands beauty because he created it. And he looks at this woman and says, what you have done, the thing that you just did is beautiful. It's beautiful. Why? Why is it so beautiful? Jesus continues. He says, the poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She did what she could. The reason Jesus thought it was beautiful. The reason Jesus could look at this woman and say, woman, what you have done is absolutely beautiful. It's incredible. It's astounding. It's because she gave everything that she could. All that she was. She gave it. It's incredible to watch an athlete, and you can just tell they're giving everything they have to this sport, to this game, to this moment. Or to watch a performer just put everything they have into that performance and just every fiber of their strength and their being, they're putting into this. And they're working really hard, and you just applaud that. Like, wow, they gave everything they had. And Jesus looks to this woman, and he says, Woman, what you have done is beautiful because you gave everything that you have. There is nothing that you held back. There is not something greater that you have at your house that you were not willing to give to me. You don't have a possession more valuable that you would withhold from me, but rather you would pour everything out for me. Thank you. This is beautiful. And Jesus goes on. He says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will always be told in memory of her. Jesus is saying, look, you might not have known this, but, but I'm soon to die. You see, in a few days, Jesus is going to die on a cross. And though she might not have known it, God knew it. And God used her love for Jesus. God used her ability and willingness to act, to prepare Jesus symbolically for what was to come, his death one day. And not only that, but Jesus says, look, because, woman, what you have done is so beautiful, because you were willing to give everything that you had, I want you to know something. What you have done will always be remembered. People will always, whenever they open up this Bible, they will find the story of you who was willing to do this thing for me. You see, some people want to be remembered. Actually, most people want to be remembered. They want people to remember their name when they move away, or they want their school to have record boards with their name on it. They want to be in books, and they want to be on posters, and they want to be talked about even long years after they're dead. But this woman never sought that. She never said, I want to be remembered. I want people to remember who I am. She just said, hey, I just want to show my love for Jesus. And because she simply did that, Jesus said, hey, so other people might see your example, you will always be remembered. What an incredible story that this woman was able to to give everything that she had to Jesus, willing to, to pour out this valuable gift, the most valuable gift she had, and give it to Jesus. Well, I I tell you, we we have something more valuable than an alabaster jar. More valuable than any perfume you could put in it. We have our own lives. And, And God gave us our life. 
And he, and he gave that to us. He said, look, this is a gift. This is the most precious thing that I could give to you. Use it wisely. And we, we treat it very carefully, and it's our most valuable possession. We, we try very carefully to, to protect it. We pour it out just a little bit at a time. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of my life to this area. I'm going to give a little bit of my life to these people, to this activity, to this friend, to my schoolwork, to my sports. I'm going to pour out my life very carefully into different areas. But you see, if, if we love Jesus, we love him. We, we love him. We should be willing to say, Jesus, I, I'm willing to, to take this life that I have and to break it. To take this life I have and, and pour every ounce of it onto you. Every drop of my being and my energy and my efforts, I'm going to pour it onto you. Because you're worthy of it. See, just like that woman saw, wow, this Jesus is incredible. He's to be our Savior and our King one day. He is God himself who created me. He's worthy of this this small gift of my perfume. We should look at him and say, wow, my Savior, Jesus, my Creator, is he not worthy of this gift of my life? Should I not pour everything that I have into him? Is he not deserving of that? Is that not deserving of a king and a creator and a savior? So we must all be willing to to take our life and to to pour it onto him. Not to hold back some, not to just very sparingly when we have time. Hey, Jesus, I have a little bit extra. I'll just give to you. See, Jesus, everything. I break this alabaster jar. I break my life and I, I pour out onto you everything that I am. Take it. And we shouldn't do it because someone tells us to do it. We shouldn't do it because we're commanded to do it. Like we talked about last week, just out of love for Jesus, we should act and obey him and be willing to pour our life on him and say, Jesus, here's everything that I have. I hold nothing back. I have no reserve. I have no other savings. I have nothing else that is more important to give you than my life, but I give it to you because you're worthy of it. You deserve it, and I love you. And you know what will happen when we do that? You know, the the beautiful thing that will happen when we pour our life out for Jesus. He will look to us and he will say, daughter, son, this is beautiful. What you have done is beautiful because you took everything that you have, everything that you are, and you gave all that you could. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Because you withheld nothing from me. And as an act of love, you poured out everything that you were. Thank you. And I can just imagine the, the aroma to Jesus of a life poured out for him. I think when we pour out our lives, it is a sweet aroma that Jesus smells. Sweeter than any perfume is the, the willingness of someone to pour out their life onto him and say, Jesus, you deserve this. I give it to you. And Jesus will look at us and say, this is beautiful what you've done because you gave everything that you had. Let's pray. Father, I I pray that we were able, that you make us able to, to give you everything that we are. That we would not hold anything back, but willingly say, Jesus, I give you everything that I am. All that I possess, all the energy and effort 
and life and time I have, God, I, I pour out at your feet because you're worthy of it and because we love you. God, might you give us that courage and that strength to break our lives and pour every drop onto you, Lord. We love you, God. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.